Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. Welcome to Richard's Let's Fair. Oh no, Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> I wish. I, I've got confused. I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've, I've double booked today. Uh, it's Richard's uh, Edinburgh Fringe podcast, as all the cool kids calling it Rehef. Rehef! Fucking hell. That was quite loud. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's Brendan Burns is the guest today, but also, um, I must have forgotten, I have also booked John Lloyd, so you've got, you've got two. You've got two. <laughs> I haven't got anything prepared for him, but luckily I've got my notes from the last time I spoke to him. So I'll have a look through and see whether... We don't need to prepare, right? We don't need... Rasputin in the front row here, how are you doing? Good, it's good to see No Colin? No. No? Gone. Uh, okay, that doesn't matter, never mind. I uh, hope you're having a good time. Um, we're... Uh, what's going on today? Uh, I, yeah, I forgot to mention this the other day. I got sent uh, flowers on my first night of my... Uh, we're all going to die. The presents beyond 8 o'clock. Uh, and uh, I thought... I assumed they're kind of from my management. That's often what happens. Uh, I'll send you flowers. Like you, your management will send you flowers, and then at the end of the year, you will get billed for those flowers. That's this. It's a beautiful gift. So I sort of said, oh, great, that's... But then I looked at the card, and they were from... Adam, from Adam Buxton, from Adam and Joe. I've, been sent, I've never been sent flowers. Really, I don't think by anyone, but certainly by a man. Uh, I'm actually, my wife did send me flowers before, so I haven't sent flowers. But she counts as a woman. Uh, and, uh, and he said he'd had a dream in which uh, he had sent me flowers for my gig, and so he thought that the dream, he should make the dream come true. <laughs> and it was kind of weird, because actually it's quite, I've never received flowers and that when It does make you, I, I don't really think I've ever thought of having sex with Adam Buxton, he's a small, <laughs> small, hairy man, but those flowers might be slightly more up for the idea, I have to say. So it is, it does work, fellas, sending flowers. I just thank God he didn't, Adam Buxton didn't dream that he'd taken a machine gun into the presence courtyard and he just acts on his dreams. That's, so he came to see the show last night, but I couldn't. He said, uh, he did mention, he said, I'm coming to your show tonight if you want to give me a, a hand job after the show in return for the flowers. Uh, and I, I sort of went, well, it might be a bit awkward if I do that, but my wife's coming up. She was a big Adam and Joe fan of the TV show, so she might do it. That, that, then it won't be any embarrassment between the two of us. She, but uh, unfortunately, we didn't uh, meet up, so... And that, uh, it's like Indecent Proposal, isn't it? It's like the film Indecent Proposal, except it's a bunch of flowers and a handjob. Rather than a million dollars in sex with Demi Moore. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, thank you. For the uh, Wikipedia nerds. Uh, so I, I don't want to mess around too much there's probably some other stuff to talk about um, there are prizes that there's going to be a competition at the end of the show you can win some tickets to the brilliant Gavin Webster he's fantastic I've got three pairs of tickets that I've got a load of junk that the, uh, the, the, the stand have given me I've got uh, a, a lovely ceramic tile of oh fuck I'm 40 done by um, <laughs> done by www.footballcoasters.co.uk uh, they can do I think they can do anything for you there it's a beautiful ceramic tile with a cork background on it it's nice. You can win a copy of Ten, my DVD, that is the best of all of my previous nine shows. I'm giving away free if you come and see uh, We're All Going to Die in Edinburgh. You can buy it from GoFasterStripe.com. Uh, a copy of Ev- Edinburgh for Everyone by Ewan McInnes. Yeah, some fans of that in. Are you Ewan McInnes? Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> didn't make it sound exciting, though, did so, Yeah, a lot. A few people won that last year. A copy of Fist of Fun, Series 1. Ooh. That's the complete version. You can buy that from GoFastStripe. You can now also buy both series combined without any of the extras for cheaper than it costs for one series. Uh, but you don't get, there are some really fantastic extras on there. And uh, the book, Talking Cock, uh, which uh, the DVD is out very soon. Uh, so look, I'm going to crack straight on. And a pack of Haribo. Fantastic. <laughs> Little. Look at that. 
Yeah, that's, that, that's the bit that everyone, everyone got more excited. Oh, ten Haribo sweets. That is better than all of Richard Herring's merchandise. It's about £200 worth of merchandise there. So we're going to get crack straight on, because uh, we're doing two interviews today. This might be a good way of doing it. This might, I, I was thinking so many people want to do this, maybe I should have two guests. Uh, of course, wasting time talking about that idea out loud has wasted time I could be talking to Brendan Burns. But never mind. Will you please welcome, he is the star of... I only think of I'm a celebrity, get me out of here again. Uh, I, the ITV2 coverage is what I said last time. We're not going to talk about that because we talked about that last time. Willie McCombie, Brendan See that? Say where did that? Brendan Burns. How you doing, Brendan? Yeah, I'm good. I'm Got a little rocking little beard this year. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd. You know what? I went and saw Clutch. Do you know Clutch, the band? No. Uh, they, yeah, they do hear, some of the people here do. Well, yeah, there's a, he's cool. a guy with thinning hair and he was rocking a beard. Yeah. And I thought I'd give that a go. Yeah. I was watching it with Paul Byrne, a director, yeah. and I said, he's got a good thinning hair beard combo. <laughs> and Paul, while well, we're at a rock concert, at a rock concert, that's showing my age. <laughs> we're at a rock and roll concert. None of your fancy pop, hip hop, hoo ha, son. No, we went and marinated some meat and started barbecuing. Um, and uh, I said, I think I might be able to pull that off. And he goes, this might sound, you know, we're, we're watching a concert together, but yes. I was just thinking the same thing. Wow. <laughs> Has he ever sent you flowers? <laughs> we did hold hands and I sucked him off. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing I think I've seen you've done to try and hide the fact that you have no hair is to wear a cap on your head. That's that another good no, trick. No, 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 I've had the that's transplant. Good... <laughs> wow. Yeah, so now I'm only slightly thinning. Wow, that's nice. It sucks, don't get it done. <laughs> it sucks. I have a real phobia of needles, and it took... It, what they do is they, uh, they pluck follicles from the back of your skull, and they inject them, and it's like a, nine hours in the chair of just a hole punch. And when I first came in... And the guy said to me, he goes, oh, do you want a Valium before this? Because it's going to be hard. And I said, I can't do that. And, uh, and he said, why not? And I said, oh, I'm a drug addict. And he goes, <laughs> and I went, no, no, I am. <laughs> and he goes, oh, what'll happen if I give you a Valium? And I said, I don't know, maybe three days later, I'll be in an alleyway sucking off men. <laughs> and then I discovered that this plastic surgeon wasn't my demographic. <laughs> <laughs> And then he left me in the hands of his assistant, who was just trying it out, and she just behaved like she was a hairdresser. Because I'm just face down, and I'm like having panic attacks. And she's just like, you know when a hairdresser like starts talking to the other hairdressers? And she's got like the scissors, and she's waving them about. So she's got this apparatus that she's like just skull punching my skull with. And she's sort of tearing, plucking follicles out the back. And then she's going, anyway, so I said to him, like waving this tiny follicle about, I'm just going, just pluck my fucking head, will you? <laughs> she was just out. trying it out. She was her first go at it. Like, yeah, she was brand that's, new. That, you don't really want to be that guy, do you? The first no, guy. I was the guinea pig. I was the guinea pig hair guy. Yeah. And man, yeah, so it's I blacked all right. It's, 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 is it still going to grow a bit more on top of that? Or is that... Is that, is that I know, I know. Because <laughs> the thing is, it falls out in the first month. It all falls out. Right. right? And, uh, and I said... <laughs> it, all, it all fell out, so I had even less hair. And my buddy, Barry Castanola, he goes, so what happens? And he, and he goes, oh, you know, they, they plug it all in and then more hair falls out. He goes, what that cost you? And I said, five grand. He goes, worth the money then. <laughs> Paying five grand, get less hair. That'd you can have some of mine if you like, Brendan. I can't really cope with this. I find it... You've like, got it grows so magnificent thick. flaxen hair. Wow. You don't have grey. You've got... I've uh, got some grey. No, no, it's flaxen. Yeah, okay. 
I would kill for a full head of flaxen. <laughs> Don't, please kill me. Anyway, it might be quite good. <laughs> Tonight you go on stage wearing a sort of <laughs> scalp of Richard Herring. People, people might notice. So let's go through your shows. You're doing a show you don't want to talk about called uh, I Don't Know Who You Are Either. No, Brendan Burns hasn't heard of you either. Yes, I think. Uh, I've done, I mean, as you'll notice, my research for the guests goes a little, it sort of declines throughout the fest. We're on show four, and I haven't even got the title name of the no, show correct. I'm in here. And you're doing a show about, uh, you're doing here I'm what, in what here time? here at the stand at 9.40, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm keeping my cards very close you to are. my chest on that. It's one. a great venue though, right, for stand-up. Oh my God. Well, who would have thought a comedy festival at a comedy club would work? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I was doing for 19 years being anywhere else. I absolutely love it. I watched uh, Simon Evans here the other night as well, and it was effortless, and he was just having a blast, and I was like, why was I paying people 40% just so that I could have a technician that isn't paying attention and a room where people are kind of pretty much hijacked into it? You know, of just it's a it's a quick fit venue, and then like you know, basically you've had people just forced off the street, and it's essentially a hostage situation. <laughs> While they just sit there going, oh, it's too hot and nothing works. <laughs> I am just yeah, people have seen me just going, wow, you just seem so breezy, and it's because I just it, the shows the, the show sells itself. And it's just a blast doing that. And my late night show is just a labour of love. Yeah, so tell us about that. It's about Bre- my late night show is exactly what it says on the tin. It's Brendan Burns and Colt Cabana sit in a 50-seater around midnight and provide the commentary to bad wrestling matches. <laughs> are they, and are there's they- actually people that have turned up going, sorry, what's this show? <laughs> are, the, are the wrestling matches live on TV or are they videos you've... They're videos that Colt has picked out. So right. I don't know. Every night is different. And I have no idea what's happening. Right. We have a special guest. And it's just, uh, it's so much fun because wrestling is such a secret handshake and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, oh, you know it's all fake, don't you? Uh, it's, like, it's like, yeah, do you like Star Wars? Then go fuck yourself. Right? Uh, and, uh, you know, Colt is like a massive, massive cult figure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, on the uh, indie wrestling scene, right. he is the number one wrestling podcast in the world. So people really... And, and, and because it's normally just like such a hidden, secret, guilty pleasure, you're just at home watching it alone, just kind of... <laughs> and uh, people come to this show, and it's all wrestling fans coming out, and just in the middle, just ten minutes in, just you can feel everyone going, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening! And, you know, and everyone else is like, Oh my God, I can't believe that's happening. <laughs> Uh, so it is a, just a it's a show just for us and it is really just what it says on the tin it's basically sitting in the lounge room with us hanging out and yeah. special guests I'm a, so I'm a big fan of comedy and sport combined but this is quite you're kind of you're, this is kind of more serious I mean it's funny I guess but you're because you're, you are a wrestling fan I, I don't really like sports so I like to do that's why I like wrestling I yeah. really like <laughs> I like the fanfare I like the pageantry yeah. and also they're very easy bedfellows with stand up yeah. It's the only other genre or art form where the performers adapt what they're doing based upon the audience response. <laughs> but Oh my god, in podcast land. I wish you could see the face that went with that condescending sneer of a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why I don't film these ones. That's it. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's what I've always liked about you and Stu. Although Stu has, you know, gone into condescending land a bit. But I remember in the early days when you guys were on Fist of Fuck, yeah. and I was another twenty-something comic, and you guys had every reason to be 
snobs and aloof and not have time for us. And I must admit, in your 20s, you were like the cool comics going, and for every 20-something comic, you were totally cool with us. And you let it all down just there. <laughs> just don't find support that interesting. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> There was, wasn't there? Wasn't there? I'm sorry. Don't Rich. back him up because he likes wrestling, like no, you do. No. You, got, you knew you'd go right for this audience. Look at those blokes; they all sit at home on their own watching wrestling. <laughs> so yeah. going, the problem with what doing it within the, in a Richard Herring's self-awareness does not come from within. The, we, all, the problem, we all just did you a massive fucking favour. The, the problem with you doing this show in a room with 50 people is that they can't all masturbate an hour in, as they would do at home. So oh. is it all right for me to be turned on by these guys? Oh, Crap. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not gay. Oh. <laughs> so hilarious when, when wrestling dares to be homophobic because it's like you're the gayest art form going um, good I'll, I'll give you I'll, we must do some emergency questions sure. um, so uh, to get people will be upset if they're not in my new emergency question which hasn't worked so far let's see if it works today if you had to marry last year I was very immature Brendan and I asked about sex and stuff this has a sexual element because if you marry someone you have to have sex with them you don't have to you choose to hopefully but then, then after a while, you sort of feel you have to. Uh, <laughs> Isn't but, a diminished libido awesome? It's There's no fucking sexual politics whatsoever. <laughs> oh, you're not getting any of this. Fuck that, I've got my barbecue and wrestling. <laughs> but if you had to marry one of the characters from The Muppets, mm-hmm. which one of them would you choose to marry? So it's a, it's a sexual thing, but also you have to get on with them and be able to just, you know, share your life. <laughs> If there was any of the Muppets. Oh, that's right, because last year you asked me if I had to fuck an animal. Yeah, an animal and a Doctor Who. And I had the fastest answer. You did, that's right. Giraffe. You a were. giraffe, because they're hot. Come on. You seen a giraffe up close? Their eyelashes? I didn't even have to think about it. I already knew it. Uh, if a, ma- a Muppet I had to marry, so it's someone that you can get along with every yeah. day and understand. It doesn't have to be a female one. It can be a female one. You know, it doesn't, they're not really... Like, it would probably be a fuzzy. Fuzzy, yeah. yeah. Just because I, you know, he bombs all the time, and believe me, I could relate. <laughs> you could shave off some of his fur, stick it on your head. Uh, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> when did I become the old comic? <laughs> um, and uh, did you ever play games against yourself when you were a child? I played snoo- I played snooker against myself. You can come see me do a live frame of that on the 12th of August at the Assembly 3. <laughs> 9 o'clock, I think. Or 9, 9.30, it must be. People are searching for the euphemism, and yet it's actually you. Did you ever do you with that kind of child, or did you have lots of friends and you were always playing with them, or did you I was, sort of play? There was a big distance between me and my brother and my sister. There was so for me I as well. I played with figurines way too late. Right. <laughs> and I remember whenever friends would come around, I played with figurines and He-Man and Castle Grayskull right up until the age of 12. <laughs> and sometimes friends would come over, and I'd be there playing with the castle and telling stories and everything. And then they'd walk in, and I'd just pretend like, you know when a kid falls off a skateboard and he pretends that he just needs to stop and look at stuff? <laughs> you know when you see a kid, like, he's on a skateboard, he fucks up, and he's just like, yeah, that's where that shit goes, right? <laughs> you know? So I would just, like, all of a sudden, you know, like, i just pretend that, oh, where the fuck do these come from? <laughs> uh, you know, I was just, uh, I found my old toys, and I was just putting them away on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> But I used to have, because I would tell such intricate stories and so on, well, like kid, I would actually have kids come around and watch me. Kids would watch me play. Yeah. 
<laughs> were you that good? Were you very good at playing? Or just told interesting stories? Would you have watched him play? Oh yes. <laughs> I think there was more. I think there was more than that toys. That was a slightly sexual undertone. Was. You would come I and watch 12, the teenage, <laughs> not even the teenage Brendan Burns masturbating. That's what you're saying. That is what you would like to watch. You make me sick. <laughs> um, Did you ever get like so horny as a kid? This isn't a bit. I don't know why. Did you ever get so horny as a kid, like well in midwank, somewhere in your head? This is in, and it went. Dog has a vagina, <laughs> and you'd be like, "Oh, what the fuck?" No, no. Well, you're not a boy, so fuck you. Like you were dog so has a penis, desperate was for you. as a twelve-year-old, yeah. just masturbating so furiously. Like, dog has a vagina, and you're like, "No, no, no." No, that one never happened to me. But, uh, liar. I did play snooker against myself for commentators on it. That's never thought this cue would go in a dog's anus. Um, vagina, what? vagina. I'm not queer. <laughs> and you, you chose that giraffe so quickly. I uh, did. The last year. I've seen a giraffe up close. They're yeah. really gorgeous. They've got long eyelashes. The like, size of their vaginas. They look like, you know, in cartoons when they try and make Bugs Bunny, uh, Bugs Bunny pretty by giving him long eyelashes and part of you is a kid when... Bugs Bunny is a girl, not me. What is your... Um, it's not condescending. I was letting the audience let you know that you hadn't been that funny. And then I was... I was moving on to the next question. This is a completely ad-lib thing. Some very occasionally... I'm not amusing on this. Very, very, very I wasn't very trying to be amusing. I was actually trying to share. I thought there was an empathetic moment to be had there and everyone went, no. no. It's different in Australia, that's the thing. So it's a different... It's a different world... Um, I hope oh yes, because the Australians are the weird sexually repressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those kangaroos—they weren't like that before the Australians got there. So um, <laughs> I actually one tried to rape me as a kid. Did they? I'm not fucking cheating. <laughs> I was actually going to have it in the true and false section. Oh, yeah. I've got a scar underneath my right eyebrow because uh, a kangaroo liked the smell of me. And yeah. If it wasn't for Arno Kao giving him a football bump, it would have broken my back. And what did what? A sp- got you in the eye was it his bifurcated penis no it was it was behind yeah got claws I got claws and it was trying to have a go and when I fought off it started to lift its legs up and uh, I didn't find out till later like and you know like uh, zookeepers in Australia very matter of fact it's not really the right thing to say to like a seven year old I'm like oh you're lucky then you would have broken your back and I'm like <laughs> so this is in a zoo rather than just walking around in the high street <laughs> I imagine there's sort of gangs of kangaroos on each street corner waiting for young attractive boys maybe that's why the dog like fucking you? thing came up <laughs> I just wanted payback every time I eat a kangaroo burger I'm like burns to kangaroo nil <laughs> And have you, apart from that, that might be count. I was going to ask you if you ever had a near-death experience. Uh, loads. Yeah. Uh, meningitis. Oh. Uh, kangaroo was close. <laughs> and the one that uh, was, uh, it wasn't a near-death experience, but really, like, I thought, fuck, I'm, like, I'm checking out now, uh, was uh, there was a kid at my school called Sean Dick. <laughs> I think I see where this is going. Yeah. And I, and I said, and he was you shave your pubic hair? And he was banned into military and everything, and I nicknamed him Shaven Penis. Oh, that's, that's and exactly he right. had a very real-looking gun in his locker. And uh, had, uh, I think I called him Shaven Penis. 
and he pulled out and he goes, I think you need to see this. And he pulled the gun out and fucked me in the grill and uh, he clicked it. And I, I thought, I'd really like it. <laughs> I, you know what? You know, they say you got life flashes before your eyes. Yeah. Not much to go through at 14. <laughs> at least you saw that dog fucking and talking. The dog <laughs> vagina <laughs> came up again. And other children watching me play He Man. <laughs> so I'm there going, there's got to be more! <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> That's good. And have you ever... Um, ha- what age were you breastfed until? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> See, we're getting some good childhood stuff back. You won't talk about your show, so we'll find out about this. Uh, I have no idea. No. Do you know? No, I don't, but uh, Izzy City did that, so I don't think anyone would know. But if you're if you're breastfed, if you knew, if you it could was remember. too late. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got an answer for that, too late. <laughs> And you, I've noticed you're with Mick Perrin, right? Your show is uh, Pops of Mick Perrin. Have you noticed that they, the leapfrogs for Mick Perrin have like the Mick Perrin logo on the back of their jackets? And especially when they have their bags strapped over that, it looks very like a swastika, I think. Have you noticed that? No, I didn't. Have a look next time. I mean, it just looks like... What it looks like, actually, it's not quite like a swastika. You know when in a film... It's like they're, some, they're doing someone who are quite like the Nazis. Yes. <laughs> and they, and they have, the way. And they have a, a swastika-like thing, but it isn't a swastika. Is <laughs> Mick Perrin a closet Nazi? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Uh, you know what? I didn't get the hand gesture over on the podcast. <laughs> I did the camp That's hand the thing problem. and the magic fence of detachment. And have you, have you joined in with today's Twitter silence? Brendan Burns, do you know what it is? No, I don't. Oh, I didn't. I, I'm, I'm assuming you wouldn't join in with it. Uh, it's Caitlin, Catlin, Caitlin, Cotlin, Moran, she pronounces it wrong. Uh, who, uh, she's, uh, to, in response to all these people who are tweeting um, bomb threats and rape threats at, directly at people. Oh, yeah. Uh, has said that we should all go off Twitter for a day. Do you, do you tweet a lot? <laughs> <laughs> On Monday nights during the rest of the <laughs> So you'd have to stop tweeting. I've stopped tweeting, but it's kind of weird how much people are... Uh, you know, it's making them very cross that people stop tweeting. Has it? Well, maybe, like, some people are going, well, you... But it's, it's, it's great, because it's great massive debate. I think this thing of being... You know, someone... You can't go so far with humour. Even Brendan Burns, who all he does is say, fucking cut and nothing else. <laughs> That's all he does. Uh, you would... You know, the idea of just con- I contact... I the show. Contact... Right? I'm cheating. I was joking. Because it was a back reference to last year. Uh, uh, I call back a year old. <laughs> but uh, you know, to actually tweet someone a threat is not. We've, we've, like, we've left the province of humour. Do you not? Uh, I think what uh, maybe occurs is that you know, uh, in comedy, you're always trying to surprise people. That's the thing. A joke is a surprise. Yeah. And you're always trying to get away with something. But sometimes the damage to doing that, they don't yeah. really understand that actually just saying the nastiest thing you can think of. There's no surprise because everyone's doing it. <laughs> so it's like, no, you're going to And it's so terrifying. It's the same. Because it's the internet and always on the lab saying they're like, if you're ringing people up, it's just the same thing. Which is when you were like, I'm going to come and bomb your house tonight. That wouldn't, even if you said it with a little wry, cheeky, I'm going to bomb you tonight. Bye. 10.57. Bye. I think that would be, you know, a, a, a crime rather than anything approaching. Yeah, I think people have forgotten the difference between only joking and not actually going to. So I thought you'd have lots of opinions on that, but I actually don't know what it is. Oh, well, never mind. Uh, because of uh, the slight booking malfunction, 
Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go. Shoes on the other foot now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, I would like to think. I would let you know that I was here before him today. <laughs> Last year, Brendan uh, did, the first time his book didn't turn up because he'd slept in. Uh, and so it, I would love to think this was a deliberate attempt to get him back by accidentally having John Lloyd turn up in the dressing room and go, Hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> so it sounds like it, feel, it feels like a backup, but I'm delighted because we'll, you know, we'll have two high-quality chats and we'll find out how many chemicals there are. So um, we're going to have a quick stand-up set in between these two interviews, so I can go and prepare some questions. Uh, Every day. Why do I get the feeling like I'm held in such low regard? Why do I get the feeling you're not going to ask John Lloyd which fucking muppet he is? Hey, Brendan, which animal would you fuck? Huh? Huh? It's not that all I say is fucking cunt. It's that everyone around me does. Everyone gets very paranoid. Everyone gets that question. John Lloyd has time to prepare if he's been listening. If he know, even knows what the Muppets are, I can talk to him about what he said to Norm Lovett as well. That's another thing. I think that's good. So we're, we're prepared. All right, we're going to have a quick five-minute stand-up set from Fantastic. He's the star of Bad Language, the Ulster Radio and Scott, BBC Scotland quiz, hosted by Richard Herring. Uh, it is a fantastic comic. Please welcome the amazing Keith Thonan. Just keep clapping for five minutes. That'd be amazing. God, that would be brilliant on the podcast, right? Right. Well, I, I, I should start off. I should, this is so lovely here. I always like to start off with a, a friendly gesture. I always like to high five everyone in the front row. Let's get a high five going, just to see if anyone's seen the film Contagion. That's why I like to do it. Mm, whatever disease I got in the Philippines, you have now. I'm so sorry about that. It's so nice to be over here from Ireland. Everything's so miserable over here, and you get to come over here and have fun. And, and of course, the, the, the Scottish and the English ladies, they're so lovely, and they have lovely names. You have such a lovely... My, my dear here, what's your name? Anna. That's simple, but lovely. I like that. I grew up in Cork, where every woman was called Mary. Every single woman was called Mary. Do you know what Mary means in Irish? It means no in Irish. That's what it means. <laughs> all I heard for most of my life and, 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 now, and now I have a, a girlfriend and she's, she's English so thank you English people for that I will forgive you the famine and I will personally forgive you and, and it's wonderful having, having a, a, an English girlfriend because I, I, I say to her listen if we have children together it'll be wonderful we can have six children just so I can call them Antrim, Armagh, Down, Derry, Fermanagh and Tyrone. You know, because initially we'd both love them equally, but eventually there'd be a divorce, she'd get custody, I'd want access, there'd be fucking war. But one day they would grow up to be independent, and they'd still ask for money every fucking week. I love women. I do. I truly, I truly love women. You're such a good idea. You are. You're such a... Women are such a good idea. You must have thought yourselves into existence because men were too stupid and just playing with each other in fucking mud. That's all they were doing. I love smart women. I love intelligent women. I love strong women because even, even when they break up with you, it's interesting. Like, I'll never forget this girl broke up with me in college and she said to me, she said, Keith, sex with you is like chess and all you have are pawns. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> all I could come back with was sex with her was like drafts. If I jumped her twice, I was a king. That's all I had. <laughs> I should have said sex with her was like Cluedo. It was her sister in the billiard room with the lead piping. But I didn't do that. 
because then I could have said, oh, sex with her was like buckaroo. I put things on her and she kicked them off. <laughs> or it was like, it was like mousetrap. We ended up in the cage like the Austrians. <laughs> She's amazing. Like she's a, she's a film director and, and a writer, and it's incredible. And she loves her films. She has such amazing taste. And she loves her. She loves her French films and her art house films. You know the ones in black and white where everyone dies and nothing happens, and you still have to fucking read about it. <laughs> and, and at the end, the credits come down, and you start screaming at the screen. Going, what happened? I don't understand. Makes me angry. And 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 I I don't have any taste in films whatsoever. But I, I love them. I love them. I watch anything. And, and she discovered this early on when I, I was up doing the Glasgow Comedy Festival and, and she rang me up and she was like, Keith, how's the, how's the festival going? I said, oh, it's amazing. They put me in a hotel room and I, I can watch any of the movies I want. And she said, she said, are you watching, are you watching porn right now? And for the first time in our relationship, I had to lie. And I said, yes. <laughs> I am watching porn. Because at the time, I was watching Kung Fu Panda too. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I was still masturbating. Absolutely, I mean, I'm a man alone in a hotel room. There's something on the screen, it's moving. I don't care what it is, I really don't. It could be Bambi and thumpers coming out till somebody shoots. That's what happens. <laughs> this, this festival, this is, festi- this is a, a wonderful festival. I hope you go to see lots of things and you experience this festival. And in particular, I hope you come see me at 6.20pm uh, in the underbelly, Keith Farnan Fear Itself. Because you know what? Let me tell you something about comedians. Every comedian you know has a little fear they carry at this festival. Like, what if this is the festival? What if this is the gig right here where it all goes wrong and, and everyone hears about it and it goes out in the podcast and everyone listens to it and promoters here and producers hear it and you don't get any other work in about a year's time. You know, you've got no money, you've got nothing. Your girlfriend leaves you for one of those people who hangs around comedians waiting for them to have a breakdown so they can steal their girlfriend. And they're they're called other comedians and, 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 and at that time that you know you end up going and you end up doing drugs and you're so vanilla you go mental you end up homeless and you end up as a male prostitute because that's what happens when you don't make it as a comedian there's like that's what's just below comedian in the ladder of life there's subway sandwich maker comedian and male prostitute that's what happens and I wouldn't even be a good male prostitute I have like a gag reflex I'd be terrible I'd be like I'd be like one of these they made me have like sex with animals in front of other men to excite them like so I'd end up getting a disease from an animal like I don't know AIDS from a ringtail lemur I'd get ringtail lemur AIDS and I'd end up in a medical journal and they'd misspell my fucking name because it's the worst name in comedy Keith Farnin that's the worst like whatever about the Farnin Keith Keith it's like a good name fell down a well and died that's what it like I mean I didn't even know there was a town called Keith and there's a town called Keith in Scotland it's a shithole it's such a shithole and I have this recurring nightmare that I'm on a train heading to Inverness and as we approach the fucking town there's a screen up that says you are now entering Keith and, and I turn around and there's a ringtail lemur looking right at me <laughs> ladies and gentlemen I was Keith Farnan I'm doing a show 6.20pm every day mind yourself So um, we got another guest. It's all been carefully planned. I think, I think this is quite good. I think we might do two a day because I've got so many people wanting to do this. What do you think? Are you enjoying the fact that there's going to be two? That's got, because Brendan was a bit shit. And so you, know, you take that chance and you go, oh, fuck off, Brendan. Let's get someone good on. Yeah? That's what you're, those are your words, not mine. Uh, okay. This guy hates you, Brendan. Uh, so uh, <laughs> will you please welcome... Uh, we know him, from, of course, from writing, mainly from writing... 
two episodes of Dr. Snuggles, the 1980s TV show, and uh, for being rude to Norman Lovett in heels. Will you please welcome John Lloyd? It's John Lloyd, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully, here he is. Hi, John. Hello. Lovely to see you. Happy to. Uh, I'm very well, Richard. Good. You might get hot in that jacket. Yes, I'm just Thank warning you. you. Uh, but uh, you know, you look cool. Like the, a bit like the Fonz. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> like the Fonz would now. <laughs> and remember, he was from the 1950s. <laughs> Does anybody know that the Fonz never learned to ride a motorbike? Did you know that? They had to push him on all the time. <laughs> Henry Winkler. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Fonz isn't real. Uh, how many chemicals are there in a carrot, John Lloyd? 114. Damn. Good, now I can answer that if anyone asks me. That's now one of my emergency questions. Um, so you're up doing a show for the first time since 1976 at the Edinburgh Fringe. Right, yes. How are you enjoying the experience of performing again? Uh, it's producing for so long. It's, uh, it's good fun. It's what I meant to do, but I had a kind of 40-year detour. But it's, I wouldn't say it's stand-up. It's just uh, stories and stuff in my life. And you, you find, you're saying if somebody, someone misplaced a prop or something and you're furiously angry, you turn it to... Uh, I've turned it to a lovey already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm unbearable. Um, yeah, but they're, they're just things. I, I, this is a, the show begins with um, a guy goes for a job interview. Do you know this one? This extraordinary story, something talking about it. A guy goes for a job interview and the interviewer flicks through his CV for a bit and then he says, Tommy, what would you say your worst fault is? And the girl says, well, I think probably my worst fault is I'm a bit too honest. The guy says, well, I don't really think that honesty can be called a fault. And the guy says, I don't give a fuck what you think. I'm not being condescending. I'm laughing, I'm laughing at That's what I was doing with Brendan. Um, and so is it just, is it you looking through your career or is uh, with, the, with the show? Yeah, I mean... It's a lot of stuff, actually. It doesn't, I suppose it's not that many shows, really, but they're so... Uh, what's really interesting, a lot of people who come are 15 years younger than me, so they'd be, you know, your sort of age. And yeah. they, they bring their teenage kids, and they say, these are the shows we used to watch when we were for it. It's rather nice. Yeah. So it's an odd mixture, because it's, you know, old people and young people, and nobody in between. Because yeah. I, weirdly, funny enough, um, I was uh, watching... Not that Clock News came on a couple of weeks ago, uh, which you produced and created, and uh, I was watching that and really and singing along to all the fallout, super, all that super powerful confrontation, all those things, and still knowing all of the words. Uh, and uh, I think oh, this is because you've been saying, you know, it doesn't get repeated very much. It's on UK Gold or something. And then, then of course, two days later, Mel Smith. Uh, yeah, I, I w- actually was very sad. I watched um, uh, a thing called Not Again, which was a, a thing we made for the thirtieth anniversary in uh, right. two thousand and nine. And to see Mel there, you know, still fit and well, was very. very Touching, yeah. but it, it's it's amazing, you know, because I haven't watched any of them for like, twenty years or something. And to see everybody when they're young in the, in the show that was the most exciting thing to do. It was so it was so thrilling and so dangerous and different and fun and joyous. And I don't really think that would ever get on nowadays, do you? No, well, I'm not sure it would. No, it is surprisingly uh, subversive as well. I don't remember it being quite subversive. Maybe you know, I just thought. It, it, when you think about the time, it was <laughs> you were very rude about politicians at a time that even before speaking image, of course. So yeah, it wasn't just used politics. Really, it was trying to. There's a bit in the show which talks about how the two Ronnies, who's our favourite show, we all tried to avoid being like the two Ronnies and being like Monty Python. And Ronnie Corbett's in last night, which was uh, <laughs> rather a compliment. And um, I say that the, the two Ronnies 
was set in a world that none of us knew in the 80s. It was in some 1950s cocktail bar or golf club, you know. And in the two Ronnies, a telephone box was used for telephoning people. In the Not the Nightclub News, it's a lavatory, and they were queuing people lining up to pee in the telephone box, and it's perfectly normal. They were presumably quite, were they quite. I remember hearing a story that Ronnie Barker was very cross about the two Ronnies parody that Not the Nightclub News did. Yeah, he had a lot of the same writers, I guess, the show. Well, <laughs> what happens, every generation comes along, and you probably hated us when, when you were small, when you were. <laughs> well, it's weird you do. Funny enough, I suppose you do. I, t- I wrote about that when Mel, Mel died. I wrote a blog about the fact that you know, not knowing what was so important to me, and I was actually. And then, as you get older, you sort of rebel against the thing that you yeah. love. That's and, and, Python for us. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I almost sort of had Mel Smith as sort of shorthand for you know, mean. I had this phrase that I used quite a lot of Mel Smith punk, which was like someone dressed up in the kind of ridiculous Mohican and. And actually, I can't find a single example of that in, in anything I've looked at. So it's something I've created myself. Yeah. And I had this idea that, you know, Mel Smith had sold out or whatever. And then actually, when I, got the, when I heard the news that he died, I, suddenly, I was really surprisingly hit to six by it. And then I realised, and then I watched a bit of it and realised how, how great he was. And so, you yeah. know, you do rebel against your idols a little bit. Yeah, yeah Mel, it's only since he died, one of my friends said, Mel would have loved this coverage, you know, because he was, he was a theatre guy, really. And... Um, only since he died has he got the credit, really, that he deserves, because he's an incredibly seminal figure in comedy, because he invented that kind of flat, yeah. you know, realistic style of comedy acting that we see all the time. Now. And the starting of Talkback, for example, which gave birth to Ricky Gervais and Ali G and uh, Chris Morris and, you know, a whole generation of people. Yeah. He doesn't get the credit for them. But the, the thing about Two Ronnies... Ronnie Barker had written a piece in the paper saying that not that I thought he was really rude and disgusting. Uh, we're a bit hurt by this because he's a bit of a hero of ours. So I went through an edition of the two Ronnies and I found 52 bollock, willy, and titty gags. 52 in one half of her episode. So, um, but they're all disguised, of course. And so we did this sketch where we translated what two Ronnie's speak was like. So, you know, cobblers is obviously testicles. Uh, danglers is testicles. You know, wobblers was bosoms or testicles. And uh, they were very upset by it. And Ronnie Barker refused to sign his contract for another series. Oh, really? Yeah. It's great. It's great. I like the... Uh, the <laughs> I do know the whole song, but I might have to sing the whole thing from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> I like to go out in the grass for the fist. Uh, we like birds, we're ornithologists, horny pornothologists. I've got a nice bar up in a good glass, you can stick them up on dry put. But then there's a later one that goes, you know, uh, we go in the grass, bracken in your hair, and thistles up your anus. That's my, that's my, that's my favourite one. <laughs> one of the joys of the show was the very last song, which is the single most embarrassing uh, thing that's ever happened to in a film set. Richard Curtis wrote a song called Goodbye is too hard a word to say so let's just say cunnilingus <laughs> and we're recording this for the BBC film crew and you're just dying of embarrassment <laughs> so, so terrible and when this thing went out we put it at the very last thing I've had this brilliant idea we called it Kindalingus so we put a subtitle Kindalingus and so uh, we had to play it up the line to the heads of department the controller and everything and then so I'm John Howard Davis says to me, you can't, John, you can't put out a song on BBC Two called Goodbyes Too Hard Away, so let's just say Cunnilingus. 
And I said, but it's kind of lingers, John. It's the memory kind of lingers. That's how it works. He said, well, no, it's kind of lingers. No, it isn't. It's kind of lingers. Um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and behind him, I hear the controller pissing himself. <laughs> your call, John. Your call. Your career. But I was, I was, I'd have been about 12 or 13 when that came out. And I remember the next day on the water school, Mark Webster came out. Did you see that last song? I went, yeah. He said, did you get that? And I went, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He said a lot of people I spoke to didn't even get what it was. I said, yeah, I, I did. Thought it was a nice song. So, yes, yeah, so that's how I ended my blog about Mel Smith. I've got kind of lingers. Kind of lingers, Mel. Uh, but uh, so that was, yeah, it was sad. But there we go. let's move on. Uh, we move on, comedy moves <laughs> on. Uh, and uh, so well, we did talk in, uh, in, uh, in London. We didn't really talk much about Stephen Fry too much. You were. I can't remember if it was the week before or the week after. It was the week after. after. It was the week after, after that. So, yeah, so it's going to. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's sort of uh, pretty epic and amazing uh, podcast I did with him and uh, this amazing revelation. Uh, did, did, you, did you know much about No, I didn't know anything about it. It was the yeah. first time I'd heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. But very serious. Yeah, well, we're on serious things, <laughs> have, you, have you ever tried um, to kill yourself? Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, kind of last shade, isn't it? <laughs> I want to say something. I went to see a show the other night called The State Versus John Hayes. There were nine of us in the audience, including the publicist for the show. It's a one-woman show about death row. It's unbelievably good. There's one actress who also wrote it. So go and see it, because it's not fair that people like me sell out because they're, they're sort of pretending, and a proper actor is doing a really amazing thing. It's venue 145, uh, C Nova, it's called. The State Versus John Hayes. Just a little plug there. It's nothing to do with me. I went just completely on spec and I was blown away by it. That's good. Are you you going to see lots of stuff? Yeah, well, that's what I like about the Fringe. I like going to things where you couldn't get anywhere else. I fancy going to see, this isn't the Fringe, but go to see Coriolanus in Chinese. I think that (laughs) that could be fun. And I remember going to a thing once, it was rather unattended, and it was a play about illusion and reality. And I was sitting next to this person in the audience and they started to shake like this. God, they're having architects, and then they got up and they went up on stage and started uh, 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 becoming part of the action. Right. It's amazing, amazing. It's a theatre. And the actor eventually said, Thank you so much for your contribution. The person came back and sat down. They were shaking like a leaf. And I said, Are you part of the play? And she said, No, I'm a guerrilla th- theatre group. We try and go to other people's plays and upset the action. <laughs> fabulous fun. What happened? Because you know, there's so much practice stuff, isn't it? I mean, yeah. sort of little rough thing like this is really good. Everyone's so professional now, and yeah. I like the fringe because it's uh, dangerous and strange, and I like the failures as much as the successes. Don't get any ideas, Rasputin. <laughs> I can see you. I'm going to go up there. I'll, I'll show John Lloyd. I'll get up there and do it. Uh, ben Moore said, I, "I don't go and see that much." Ben Moore, who I'm staying in a flat with this year, who's very well worth seeing. Go and see Ben Moore if you can go and see Ben Moore. He's a genius. Uh, but he was saying the favourite thing he saw was a uh, bouncy castle Hamlet. So it was, it was actually the, the, it was done straight. I think the whole of the whole of Hamlet just performed on a bouncy castle, and then when they got to the play within the play, they brought in a little bouncy castle. But you had to sit through a presumably three hours of Hamlet on a bouncy castle. 
So there are, I mean, and he said, the other thing he said, there was that the woman, a dress kept on falling off, so they kept on kind of putting it, trying to bend it with, uh, with safety pins that kept falling off onto the bouncy castle. So you think, you know, this is kind of an insane thing to do. But yes, it's, it's, um, one of my daughters told me something, there's something called Shitface Shakespeare or something, okay. where one of the cast is completely drunk throughout. That sounds quite fun, so see what happens. You can do it. It's, it's nice to, to take part Shakespeare's work. <laughs> so I'm doing it in my play. So I will, Brendan, I think I'd ask you this, but I'm going to ask you if you had to marry. Well, hang on, while you're on there, yeah. do you know about the, uh, the local who opened up his house and turned it into a venue and did three hours of Hamlet? No. Okay, so this is, this is like an almost fringe legend. Yeah. There's this local cantankerous guy who fucking hates the festival. <laughs> hates it. Sick of the flyers. Bit sick of the leafleters, everything. So he decided, I mean, how Scottish and cantankerous is this? So he listed his house as a venue, got it registered, discovered that like he was allowed three people in, right? So he would get three people. He would go and leaflet on the Royal Mile, find like three tourists. He'd bring them back to his house. He'd sit them on a couch. He'd give them tea and biscuits. And then he'd do every role himself <laughs> for three hours. And they couldn't leave. <laughs> like that scene in A Bronx Tale when Chaz Palamentary tells the bikers to leave. And he goes, you can leave. And they're going to, he smashes the head and he goes and locks the door and goes, I told you to leave. Now you fucking can't. <laughs> and so like, he just completely hijacked people and like, didn't perform it. Did it at them. <laughs> So you've just been guerrilla theatre there. I don't know know who that guy was. I don't even know who he is. He just came in at the audience. He's dead to me. Uh, Brendan didn't think I'd ask you this, John. He's going to hover over your shoulder now. Uh, This is fair enough. Um, It's Miss Piggy. It's... uh, (laughs) Third third row. (laughs) High-fiving going on. You'd be happy to marry her because she's not got that nice a personality, I would say. So, well, you know, when, we we did, just, uh, uh, when we did um, Spitting Image, we had this uh, very good, rather camp uh, director called Peter Harris, who directed The Muppets, and he used to say the Queen in Spitting Image is our Miss Piggy. So, it, it, uh, you know, I'd be marrying the Queen. Basically. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And you'd get, you get her off Kermit's back, wouldn't you? She's always annoying Kermit, but does he like it really? I don't know. Uh, and uh, if I'm just make sure I haven't asked you a question, an emergency question we'd asked before. Did I ask you this one before? I don't think this one came up after you. Uh, would you rather be a cow or a badger, and why? <laughs> it's a question from an 11-year-old Welsh boy. Um, <laughs> I think it would have to be a badger, oh. okay, because cows shit all down the back of their legs, don't they? <laughs> they do. But badgers have all-sweet toilets. Did you know that? In their, in their sets, they have a, 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 their own toilets. So. Great questions. <laughs> this, is a, this is a great question. Brendan, you can... You also, the interesting thing about badgers, check this out, anyone who's got a dictionary, the word for badger and uterine in many Euro- European languages is the same. <laughs> badger and Utrecht. Badger and Utrecht. So if Bodger, in Italian, it's tusk, if, if, Bodger if Bodger from Bodger and Badger gets done by Operation Utrecht, it's going to be people. The world is going to explode. Would you rather be a badger or a cow, Brendan? Oh, badger easily. Yeah. Badger actually gets respected in England, and it almost like gets it, it invokes because I live in the country now, right out in the middle of uh, just near the Cotswolds, and my wife goes. Uh, yeah, she goes, we're going like, uh, what do you call it? Badger spotting? What's the word for badger spotting? No, there's an adjective. Badger baiting. Badger, not baiting. They used to make a point. You sit near the hide, it's called a hide or something like that, right? And we're sitting in its run, 
right? And she goes, you never stand in a badger's run. And I'm going, what do you mean? She goes, they're quite aggressive. And the Aussie would be kicked in going, oh, fucking fuck a badger. <laughs> He's been raped by a kangaroo. I was really kind of almost offended. The fact that people say, like, the badger in the swamp. You've got to look out. And I'm like, oh, shut up. I can throw an octopus this big at your most dangerous animal and be dead in five seconds. See? It keeps in. Look how it awesome is. I'm going to go and light a fire and kill something. And my show is about death, John. Have you ever had a near-death experience? Uh, what do you mean? Like, well, when I leave my body, that kind of thing? Well, no, just so, so I, the other day I was walking under one of the bridges of uh, Edinburgh and someone threw a bottle off the bridge and it didn't hit me, but it could have hit me. <laughs> so that was a near-death experience. Uh, yeah, I had a few of those, yeah. yeah. People throwing bottles. injured experience. No, it would have definitely died. It was like, you know how high those bridges are when you're down on the lower level? Oh, okay. And it would have just, if that had hit you in the right, you, know, you wouldn't have known anything about it. I was in Africa once and uh, eating a sandwich looking out over, over the Serengeti <laughs> plain. And an eagle that swooped sexy, down. I kind of like this doesn't. This doesn't have got somewhere else to go to, Brendan. Doesn't happen on. Doesn't happen on Parkinson's, on Parkinson, does it? Where one of the guests has his interview and he comes and hangs around. Is that No, I'm I'm Rod Hull and he's emu. No way, Brent, I don't want you here. You're so... <laughs> you asked me to come back! <laughs> In a minute! Oh, fine, I'll uh, oh, no, I got a... Oh, must... oh, I got a... <laughs> uh, I've got an Australian joke for you, Brendan. Um, <laughs> this, this Aussie uh, goes up to this Sheila and he says... Yes, we do. He says, do you fuck? And she says, I do now, you smooth-talking bastard. <laughs> so you're in, the no way. you're in the Serengeti. I was in the Serengeti. It's not funny, but... Uh, the, I'm, e- I'm eating the sandwich, and suddenly the sandwich isn't there, and my hand is bleeding. And an eagle had come... Drop straight out of the sky yeah. and grab my sandwich and run away with it. They love sandwiches, eagles. <laughs> what does that say about you? The, the, the eagle referred to eat a sandwich rather than the meat of you. He went, well, no, no, yeah, well, that sandwich is, He looks a bit scrawny. I'll have a sandwich. <laughs> and uh, Norman Lovett was the guest uh, on the show uh, yesterday. I think it all yeah. rolls into me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the whole bit, every day rolls into each other here in Edinburgh, so I don't know where. And he said, You once met him in heels. Uh, the furniture, sh- the upmarket furniture shorts oh, right. in London. <laughs> and yeah, you weren't wearing heels. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think this was like a. Uh... <laughs> he looked worried, John, so I think you may have met him also at some kind of uh, transvestite party. But you may have <laughs> met him in the furniture store heels, and you said to him um, something along the lines of, I'm surprised to see you here, Norman. I thought you'd get all your, your stuff from Harringay Market or something like that, wasn't it? I can't remember, some kind of. And he, was, he, he bears a grudge against you anyway. I'd never say that. Well, so he says, he said, I'm surprised, why aren't you? Why you? And I said, you were probably were joking. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was. Yeah. Do you know, I gave Ben Moore his first job. Ben Moore? On television, yeah. What was he it? He was very talented. It was a Phileas Fogg commercial. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of adverts. He should do some, like, probably get him into proper programs. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bird in some stupid, he's like dressed up as a bird something at the moment uh, I think it's him he won't admit it is him it's like, it's like Kevin Eldon never admits he was in Norm from the Twix advert but he was uh, he's great Ben yeah but have you seen his shows 
have you seen the one man show? I haven't, no. You've got to go. He's on at like 3.30, I, mm. I think, every day at the Pleasants. I'm, pl- I pl- I'm plugging him more than I'm plugging my own shows. But he's going to go, go and see him. And it's a risky thing, isn't it? Because um, uh, one of the puppeteers in Spitting Image is a guy called Nigel Plaskett. And um, the reason he became... He wanted to be an actor. He was actually a good actor. But he had to become a puppeteer because he was in um, uh, in one of those ads for... Um, what's the thing where you get blocked nose? Uh, Vic Sinex. Yeah, Vic Sinex. And he had to play a character called Malcolm. And he said, oh, bub, I've got a blocked up nose. And this was what he became known for. Yeah. Of course you get Malcolm. For the whole of his life. Is that oh, it's Malcolm, yeah. yeah. Hello, Malcolm. I can't okay. do that, Mum. Of course you can, Malcolm. Yeah. See, I, I used to remember, if I saw him, I would say that to his face. <laughs> now, even, even though you said it's ruined his life, I would say, hey, and then I'd go, hey, you bet you like that when that happens. Uh, so we're going to, uh, we've got five minutes, so we're going to do the competition now, which, Brendan, you can return to the stage for this bit. <laughs> No, it, was, it, was lo- it was lots of fun. It was like an arc. It, it was like not the nine o'clock news. This is the not nine o'clock news of the 2010s now. It's an anarchic. We've broken all the rules. We're going to do a competition. We win all this shit that I mentioned before. Uh, and if one day I forget and put my phone in amongst that, uh, and that will be worth it. Uh, so uh, everyone needs to stand up. We're going to make some statements that are either true or false. And then uh, you have to decide if they're true. You put, if you think they're true, put your hands on your head. If you think they're false, put your hands on your bottom, the seat of all, fo- all falsehood. Uh, if you get it right, wrong, you have to sit down. Whoever's left standing will win uh, some stuff. Uh, I'll, do, I'll start off. I went swimming today. That is not it. Uh, and uh, but I'd forgotten to pack. I'd gone wearing my swimming trunks underneath my clothes, and I'd forgotten to pack spare underwear. So I am now commando underneath my trousers. Is that true or false? Wow! I'll show you later. Or oh, you're going for different things. You might win. That's true. It is false. I thought I'd forgotten my pants, but then I'd remembered. Them. <laughs> You can't cheat, no cheating. Uh, do you have an, a statement of truth or false, uh, John, that you would like to, just a statement, it's either true or false? You don't have to, Brendan, have you got one? Or John? Uh, yes, I've got one. Okay. Um, ulcers are caused by stress, yes or no? John knows a lot of facts, I should have thought of that before. <laughs> have, you, have you got any facts you could. No, no, I, don't, I can't really think of any. Is that true or false? It's false. Wow, I thought it had to be false. Caused by bacteria, and two Aussie scientists recently won the Nobel Prize for finding that out. Cool. Uh, talking of Aussie scientists, Brendan Burns. Have you got a statement of truth? Very constant. My dad was a rocket scientist. Just, that's why I was saying My sister's it. a triple Waverley Prize winning artist. And I'm a fucking Perrier Award winner. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? That's why I said you grubby little shit. Talk. You're the fucking oik. You're so offensive. <laughs> Talking of Australian scientists, Brendan Burns. Whose dad is an Australian scientist? <laughs> <laughs> is that the truth or falsehood? <laughs> everything I just said. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, everything I just said. True or false? <laughs> Let's have a look. Wow. You're saying, fa- you're saying false? Yeah, it's a few people are saying Sit false. the fuck down. Yeah, obviously, it was true. That's two really easy ones, and it's not so. Anyone said false, sit down. You can do another one if you want, Brendan. Oh, so I do another one? Yeah, you can do it about you know, whatever you like. See if I've got any while, you, while we're waiting. Oh, see, I, I, you know what's really funny is all I had was the kangaroo thing. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. And what I, did you say about the kangaroos? Uh, I one tried to rape me as a kid. 
Here's one. Uh, <laughs> female kangaroos have three vaginas, true or not? <laughs> You're not allowed to cheek on win. Uh, that's false, they have two. No, it's true. Is it? <laughs> you filthy perv. <laughs> what did you go digging in there for? It's true, it's true. So sit down if you said false. You said true, didn't you? Are you sure? Alright, well, okay. I Sorry, uh, is, there some, is this guerrilla theatre going on here? Why are we suddenly interviewing animals? Yes, yeah, everyone, find my book. Uh, uh, <laughs> of course, it's you and McGuinness. I even know who it is. Uh, uh, there was a show, it's uh, an animal autopsy, I suppose it's called. <laughs> I'm going to give a fact from you and McGuinness's oh, book. This should help him. Oh, go on, go on. I've got one. Go. Uh, uh, kangaroo in Aboriginal means I don't know. It's false. It's an urban myth. Ooh, sit down. You, you and still in? Is anyone else still in? Or is it just anyone at the back still in? Shout out. Yeah. Uh, yes, we can. The judge's decision is final. Shakira is... <laughs> someone who got in touch after me has said, Norman Lover said Shakira is four foot eleven. She isn't just five foot two, but he was wrong. But the judge's decision is final. <laughs> so we're still in. I Actually, won't do it. Let's go to John Lloyd. Uh, that's true, isn't it? It's an urban myth. The abor- uh, kangaroo and Aboriginal means I don't know. It actually, there's no way they can really determine what it means because it could have been what the fuck you're talking about. They could have said it's actually a cow. There's a lot of, lot of things. Different species of kangaroos, isn't it? Uh, so there, there was like, there is. You're absolutely right. No, you're absolutely right. There's so many conflicting. No, no, that's not it. What the hell is happening today? I think this might just be a... Am I having a dream today? I've, I've created... I've accidentally double-booked the show. And a famous Scottish author is talking about kangaroo. Yeah, but there's also... Any kangaroo base? Gungaroo or something with the name of that species. No, no, that's not right. But it's actually... There's a lot of theories as well as the kangaroo had fucked off. Yeah. And so the guy didn't see anything. So he's like, what's that? And he's there going, there's nothing there. Unfortunately, uh, Brendan Burr's decision is final and uh, we have to get out of here. So you, I you, with... you think you should stand up again? Because I said it said, it, I don't know, it's an urban myth. That's not true. You were wrong. That, that bit is definitely not true. There you go. Yeah, so shut up. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> you will never. All this stuff here, see these Haribos? They're never going to. You're going to. Unless you pleasure you and McInnes or that guy. You will never have those tank fastics inside you. Uh, so I've been swimming today. This is a n- numerical answer, uh, which favours anyone who listens to the show on a daily basis. How many lengths do you think I swam today? I will go to Ewan first. Uh, how many? Uh, he's just blown that. And so think very carefully. The closest, what, what? 35. That is the correct thing to do. He's gone one lower. It does give an advantage. It, well, I didn't do 20, so thank you for thinking I could swim. It wasn't, it was 16 yesterday, you weren't even listening properly. The guy, the guy said 30, so I've gone, and I, I was really a struggle today, I was not feeling very well, I thought I was going to make that question, I have to make it slightly more than yesterday. Uh, it was like, I don't think anyone has struggled so physically to achieve something since uh, touching the void, that is what it reminded, that is what it most reminded me of, which I will be doing later. So you sir, what's your name sir? Dave. Dave, you have won, congratulations. <laughs> what time is your show on John? 4.40. 4.40, which venue? It's in the Dairy Room in TV Place near the Underbelly. 
So go and see John, go and see Brendan in his show here at the stand at 9 o'clock-ish. 9.40? 9.40, and uh, wrestling at what time is that? That is around midnight. Fantastic. And Keith Farnan as well gave his details earlier. 6.20 at the underbelly. All fantastic acts. It's been a brilliant show. There, please Thank give you a massive round of applause to all of my guests and yeah. the Gorilla Theatre and the Patrick Herring with Susan Kalman and whoever else on that friendly book. <laughs>